I didn't know exactly who was going to be sharing today or to the extent of what they were going to be sharing, but um, as we kind of trying to celebrate our 15 years, but I feel like it so goes along with um, the next message in this series about raising our emotional health. And it's living in brokenness and vulnerability. Everyone is broken. Everyone's damaged. Everyone is cracked and has imperfections. In our society, we focus on perfection, stardom, professional athletes, reality stars, reality shows where people are trying to win a contract to cut a record. Only one person wins. They show you the people who walk away crying when they don't get accepted, they don't get voted on, they don't get a chance to go to the next level. We see uh, the dance kids, the, little, the moms with the little kids trying to have them become dance stars. There's such an expectation for young kids to be a, a professional sports person. So they're in school. They're, I mean, they're in uh, different teams at different times. They're, they're trying to find a niche. But the reality is there's always just a few winners. What happens when we, we don't get our dreams? What happens when we find ourselves broken? We flee. We escape. We avoid being vulnerable. We try to deny the brokenness that we've gone through. We run to addictions. Society sets up that norm of perfection and being a star, being a success. What happens? We disconnect. We try to focus on maybe one thing that we feel good about ourselves and we try to go in that total direction. But where we've been broken, we try to suppress, we try to stand on it, sit on it, deny it. But there's a, a huge brokenness, there's a huge pain you know, where, where, where we've left. Try to make money to support our family. Sometimes we can get lost in our jobs because it's purpose. Um, I've even done that more, having to be a pastor. I strive more and more to try to be a better pastor, to try to seek God, to have more of the Holy Spirit come to set you guys free, that you experience freedom from your brokenness and from the places that you're vulnerable. Causes strains on my family, causes more brokenness. Still suffering with my own anxiety and uh, depression. You know, it's easier to keep busy. It's easier to pour out to other people when I get home. I don't have anything for anybody because when I get home, I kind of slip back into my places of feeling social anxiety, feeling like I don't fit in, feeling like I don't have anything, for anything else for anybody. Sometimes in our brokenness, we fight against our own brokenness. We resist being honest. We resist being vulnerable. We resist the temptation to share our weaknesses with other people. In our fight, we get angry. We can feel bitterness. Things are not going as they planned, so it's easier to strike out. And usually it's easier to strike out against those who are closest to you because obviously you have to have a place to let down. 
It may not be in touch with your brokenness or your vulnerability, but it has a way of escaping and exiting on those you love. Get angry and indifferent with God. Why am I broken? I accepted you. I've been trying to do all the right things. Why do I still have my weakness? Why do I still have pain that I can't seem to take care of? God, you're not running the world like I think it should be run. Our key verse today is Romans 3.23. Yes, all have sinned. All fall short of God's glorious ideal. We've been talking about raising our emotional health because our spiritual life is so important, but unless we raise our emotional health, we cannot use what's going on in our spirit. We cannot use the gifts that God's put within us. We cannot be the examples of the witnesses for Christ because we see our weakness. We see our brokenness. We see our imperfections. Some of you may be here today and you don't even want to be here because the enemy is telling you, get out, you're not good enough. Well, who is? Where we were sinners, Jesus came and died for us. I want to talk about the story of two brothers today. Maybe you can show uh, the picture, Rembrandt's picture. Rembrandt drew the, painted this picture about the prodigal father. And the prodigal knows he's got a shoe missing. Clothes are torn. He probably stinks. Then we have the older brother on the right. He's looking good. He has the best robot. What is he thinking? Is he thinking you are worthless? Is he thinking, I've been here working and where were you? I wonder if he's wondering, wow, dad, how come I don't get a hug like that? We've always focused on the story of the prodigal. Well, we know it was a good for thing for him to come to the end of himself, to really find that he was broken, and he needed a place to come home to. He needed a place where he could be vulnerable, where he could be just who he was, a broken person that needed love. Obviously, he had used everything that money could get him, and he ended up broken and empty. The problem with American society, even our Christianity, they're not throwing us in prison. They're not cutting our heads off. They're not putting us in jail because of our faith. But the enemy comes against us. He comes against our soul. Our soul is at the front of the battle. And everything that Satan can throw at us is coming at us to discourage us in our faith. We're feeling vulnerable. We're feeling disconnected from God. But there's great spiritual forces against us. Jesus talked about his disciples coming against unclean spirits. We're told by John in, in the first and second and third John about the spirit of Antichrist that comes against us. And he said in this last hour, there's a greater spirit of Antichrist against us. So what is that doing? It's coming against our soul. It's coming against our emotions. It's magnifying our defects our failures, and things that we've gone through in our past. It magnifies the things we have as Christians that are our weaknesses, our personality disorders, whatever you know that you have as a weakness, and he throws it in your face. Just like Donna said, he whispers with our own voice, 
to disqualify us and disconnect us, to cause us to become spiritually inactive and deficient when the reality is when we've accepted Jesus Christ, life has come into us and every bit of potential. God never raised losers. He made us all to be winners. He paid such a high price that we are all to be overcomers and winners. Our war, it's a spiritual war. And the greatest assault against us, it's against our emotional health. It's against us getting up despite our weaknesses and coming to Jesus. Verse 12 of Luke 15 in that story of the prodigal. It's really about two lost brothers. Both sons got their inheritance. The older brother stayed and worked. I can identify with the older brother. Raised in church. Saved because my parents were saved out of just such destructive things. And I can identify with the older brother because I know what it is to be religious, to do the right thing. My, when I, my sisters and my mom still call me the good boy. The good boy. I can identify with the older brother having attitudes, knowing what it is to sacrifice your life, to give up, to not have desires, to not have uh, things for yourself because it's not Christian. It's taken me a long time to undo some of the ways I've thought. But then there's another part of me. I bought into Jesus at such an early age. I bought into the pearl of great price. And so you learn to strive with all of who you are in the natural to be better Christian, to, to be more self-sacrificing, to love people more, to give up your own life. But then you begin to see, you can show the older brother again. You become self-righteous. You learn to cover your weaknesses and not be vulnerable because it's not cool. You're supposed to be a witness. You're supposed to be a testimony. know how the story unfolds when the older brother comes home there's already a party going and he's been working out in the field all day and it's interesting how the enemy can speak to us as Christians if we have any time under our belt that we start comparing ourselves we start looking at people thinking that they're getting it better than we are maybe they're more blessed maybe they have more friends and the enemy can start just making that division where you start separating yourself from the body because you don't feel like you fit in we don't fit in because we're not accepting who we are. We're not living in that vulnerableness and that weakness and that openness and really letting the love of God take its place in our heart. The older brother is angry in verse 28. He's about the party for that lost brother. We can't imagine or understand what he felt about that brother. What had happened that he had given up and let go of that love for that brother who he once grew up with? In verse 32, the father says to the older brother, your young brother was dead. He has come back to life. He was lost. He has been found. Throw the older brother up there again. I mean, the prodigal Rembrandt picture again, would you, Kate?
thing is, once we become Christians, we, we move. Many of you can identify with the prodigal. Come to Jesus broken. But I tell you, it doesn't take too much longer when we get cleaned up a little bit to start having attitudes like the older brother. Me and Dory have talked about it a lot of times. She says, I really identify with the prodigal, but at times I feel like the older brother. And it's easy to move once grace begins to lift your life up uh, to become the older brother. The older brother is as broken as the prodigal. What is it like when we are proud, unbroken, hiding our weakness? Notice the picture. Again, he's dressed well. He's looking down on his brother who's in total brokenness. The older brother is annoyed, maybe angry with his younger brother, maybe jealous over the attention, the love that his father is lavishing upon him in the depths of his own soul and his own need where he's gone into this production mode. He's really missed out because he's become disconnected from life, disconnected from his family and his relationships. I'm sure working so late in the fields and coming home to a party is an example of how he lived in denial of his own needs and what was available in his own house. That really the father, he was with the father, but he wasn't taking time to have a relationship with him. Perhaps he thought of how the prodigal had disgraced the family name. But the older brother is worse off. The older brother is blinded by his nice clothes, his own measure of success and goodness. He stayed out because he was bitter towards his own flesh and blood. There's a verse also that says, don't hide yourself from your own flesh. How often we find ourselves doing good things and we deny the people that are closest to us. It's interesting how the scriptures, you can't get away with anything the more you know the Bible. The word keeps showing you every place you're trying to run, every place you're trying to be a better person. The word just keeps correcting you. Why? He's always trying to get us to our heart because out of our heart is where the love of God flows in and out, where forgiveness and love comes in and out, and where we can bring our weaknesses and our, our um, vulnerability to God and let him be a place that, of safety for us to have our emotions healed. His own respectability has blinded him to his being lost himself and his lack of love. I imagine that probably hurt the father more than anything that his own son who was with him did not connect and had no love for his brother. He's been living with the father but does not have his father's character, the love that comes from being connected to him. He's living with the Father, but is far from the Father. He serves, it, he serves as a warning to us that it is possible to obey God's commands and be lost. I can be leading in the church, praying, reading the Bible, serving or witnessing, and be lost. As I work for God, I can appear to be near God, and yet, in actuality, be very far from Him. 1 Corinthians 13, 2 and 3. Paul reminds us, if I had the gift of prophecy 
and if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but did not love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Religion always replaces relationship. And Jesus, he was quoting Isaiah to the religious Pharisees and the self-righteous leaders. In John, in Matthew 15, 8, he said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The older brother's words tell us where his heart is at. In Luke 15, 29, the old brother says to his father, all these years I've been slaving for you. It's kind of easy for us to walk with Jesus in a while and we start getting entitled. What about me? He became a worker for God instead of a relator and a connector with God. I ask the question of myself, why is it easier to compensate for our need to connect and relate by doing something else, by working? Have we gone through so much? Is there so many things that are unhealed in our life that we just give up and we don't think we have to do anything else? And we just sit kind of numb, going through life, disconnected from God and others? No. That's where the story of the prodigal and the older brother, God says we don't have to stay where we're at. He wants to move us out of whatever's trying to hold us and keep us disconnected. I want to ask you a question today. If you are not the prodigal, and you're not the older brother, where's your heart for lost people? I have a few little tests we can take right now. This question, how am I like the older brother? When I hold on to my anger, reacting, slamming doors, swearing, seeking revenge, or to get even. When I redirect anger on my family or those close to me. When I turn anger inside and become depressed. What about when we stonewall people or ignore them or come late? You could relate that to your boss. I remember doing that to my boss, stonewalling him, coming late, leaving when he's talking to me. How can we remedy that? Bring the situation that angers us to the Lord. In restoring our emotional health, we have to get real with these feelings we have. We have to come out of denial. We have to wrestle with God because our spiritual life and our future and our joy and everything God has for us is at stake. 
When I'm angry, I must get in touch with anything that might be deeper, any roots, any people I have to deal with. The second thing, how am I like the older brother? When we find ourselves complaining, the older brother said, this son of yours, hey, it's your brother. How come you're disconnected from him just now? This son of yours, when we get condescending and proud, again, our key scriptures, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of God's ideal. In that other scripture, it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone's gone and turned and headed his own direction. When my heart and attitude toward people are not like the father, I have wandered like the prodigal from home and the father. Michelle, I feel like your word was so right on. God's trying to build this church because there's so many more broken people he wants to bring in and heal. Number three, how am I like the older brother? When I have a hard time letting go of offenses, it is a sign I have become the lost older brother. Remember my sins that I can only have forgiven by Jesus' sacrifice. My ongoing forgiveness is only secured as I keep forgiving others. Let's go to Matthew 18, verse 34. Getting hard to see here this morning. There's a whole story, that whole chapter about restoration and forgiving and going to your brother. This is about that wicked servant who was forgiven and then didn't forgive a lesser amount with a fellow servant. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if, you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Sometimes we, we glibly off, off our head, we say we forgive, but a true sign is when that person's name comes up, what we feel in our heart. And I don't tell you it's an easy thing, but if there's anything in our heart I know life is tough enough as a Christian. There's enough demonic activity against us in our faith. But to be in uh, the torture, the tormentor's hands because of unforgiveness? No, I don't need any extra pressure from Satan. But that's the thing that the, the Lord says in his word, that we put ourselves in, in the place of the enemy to be tormented and tortured because of holding on to unforgiveness. We've got to keep those short accounts. We, we can't let the sun go down anymore on those places of unforgiveness, but we've got to deal with them. And if they become deep roots of bitterness, we've got to aggressively go after them 
and ob obtain that forgiveness that is ours through Jesus Christ. Again, it's not his responsibility that I'm tormented and tortured and that I can't forgive. That's something he paid the way for, for us to have. But I've got to aggressively deal with my emotions, deal with my thoughts, because I need a steady flow of forgiveness. I am like the older brother when I'm not aware of my weakness. Then I'm vulnerable to act like the older brother. We've got to keep becoming like the father. Hey, we've been given his DNA through Jesus Christ. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's conforming us into the image of Christ. There's something going on where the love of God wants to take us over. But again, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions... What that which comes under the greatest attack wants to keep our heart from that flow of the love of God, of looking at people like he wants us to. There's a benefit of our accepting our brokenness and weakness because when, when we are like that, people are drawn to us. People have often commented while I cry. I can't help it. Sometimes God just moves on my heart. I cry. I've had people say that that opens them up and they feel the love of God. Maybe that's why God may be like this. It's not the norm. It's not acceptable in some places. People apologize when they have tears. I can't help it. I just feel vulnerable speaking for God. That word Brian said today, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That's our stronghold of working through forgiveness and being free and restoring our relationships. It doesn't matter how many years we've struggled, even in our marriages and, and with people. It only takes a minute for God to restore us. It only takes a minute to change those of us who are married and have better relationships with our spouses. Why? Because Jesus wants it. And let me tell you also, the spiritual realm that's going on, the, the, the principalities and powers that are against us, they're against your relationships. They're against your marriages. They're against this church. Because if this church doesn't get built, there's going to be more and more people that aren't going to get ministered to. God wants to raise you up. Again, that word that Shelley had, God wants to raise all of us up, working together in this unity, in this agreement, to bring more, he and he more healing to people, to see more people transformed. That's going to build our faith. But our stories and how God's working in our life is going to be uh, just a, a great um, satisfaction to us as we work with God to bring other people to the Lord. Broken people recognize their need for Christ. Jesus ate with tax collectors and notorious sinners. In Matthew 9, 12 through 13, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Jesus also said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Again, throw up the picture of the prodigal again. Please. Look at the father. His heart's so open for his son. The people around us that are broken, the people around us that we bypass because we're consumed with our own negative feelings and our busyness of life, and we close and zip our heart up. But how many times maybe would God use us to speak a word to a prodigal because the father wants to restore him? We cannot no longer be like the older brother. We have to have hearts that have compassion for those around us. 
Not until you know, all of a sudden you're going to be an, uh, a, a raging evangelist, but who knows in your sensitivity of the love of God in your own life, in your sensitivity, in your own emotions, that you're being not disconnected anymore, but you're connecting with those around you. Who knows? A simple word, a smile you might give someone that would give someone hope. And someone else might be witnessing to them, or someone else in their family might be praying for them. But God uses all of us in some way to be like the Father and extending love to those who are broken, and He wants to come home. Our call is to love people. Oh, that's hard. Even in our own families, it's hard. We are connected by family and by blood to love people, and we are forced, those of us who are married, are forced over and over and over again to forgive our spouses. I don't know what happens. We can be in the heat of arm, but in a moment we have to forgive. Why? Because we have to keep living with each other. Jesus wants us to keep forgiving because we live with him. Notice also, Jesus was never shocked by people's sins. You know, some people come into our church and they, their lives are so heavy, they feel like they're going to be judged here. We have a, we're full of, we have every sin in the, in the camp here. What are we going to judge someone else about? No, we want to accept everyone who's broken because we know God can heal. Why? Because he's healed us. He's forgiven us. He's changed us. Jesus said about the woman who cried over his feet and, and bathed him in oil, to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. We've all been forgiven much. I don't know about you, in my self-righteous, in the perfect ha- family I was raised in, perfect as far as like having Christ at an early age, I still had the blood of Adam flowing through my veins. I was still a sinner no matter how good I was. I needed a Savior. And the older I get, I can identify with Paul. I am the chief of all sinners. Ask my family. They'll tell you. In John 20, 23, Jesus said, If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Showing the power that is extended to us as Christians, that we extend the power of forgiveness to people when we share the good news of the gospel. And the gospel is that powerful message that brings conviction in their hearts and they repent and receive Jesus. But when we give it, we're extending that powerful forgiveness. That is an incredible authority given to us as believers. To extend something of salvation to people, very awesome. Maybe the worship team can come. I want to share some types of uh, churches. Proud and defensive. I'm guarded and protective about my imperfections and flaws. Broken and vulnerable. I am transparent and weak. I disclose myself to appropriate others. Proud and defensive. I focus on the positive, strong, successful parts of myself. Broken and vulnerable. I am aware of of the weak, needy, limited parts of who I am, and I am freely admit failure. Proud and defensive. I am highly offendable and defensive. Broken and vulnerable. I am approachable and open to input. Proud and defensive. I naturally focus first on the flaws and mistakes and sins of others. Broken and vulnerable. I am aware of my own brokenness. I have compassion and I'm slow to judge others. Proud and defensive. I give my opinion 
a lot, even when I'm not asked. Broken and vulnerable, I am slow to speak and quick to listen. Proud and defensive, I don't get close to people. Broken and vulnerable, I am open, soft, and curious about others. Proud and defensive, I keep people from really seeing what's going on inside of me. Broken and vulnerable, I delight in showing vulnerability and weakness that Christ's power may be seen in me. Proud and defensive, I like to be in control of most situations. Broken and vulnerable, I can let go and give people opportunity to earn my trust. Proud and defensive, I have to be right in order to feel strong and good. Broken and vulnerable, I understand that God's strength reveals itself in admitting mistakes, weaknesses, and statements that I was wrong. Proud and defensive, I blame others. Broken and vulnerable, I take responsibility for myself and speak mostly in the I, not the you or they. Proud and defensive, I often hold grudges and rarely ask for forgiveness. Broken and vulnerable, I don't hold people in debt to me and I'm able to ask others for forgiveness as needed. Proud and defensive, when I am offended, I write people off. Broken and vulnerable, when I am offended, I ask questions to explore what happened. Proud and defensive, I deny, avoid, and withdraw from painful realities. Broken and vulnerable, I honestly look at truth underneath the surface, even when it hurts. Proud and defensive, I give answers and explanation to those in pain, hoping to fix or change them. Broken and vulnerable, I am present with people in their pain and I'm comfortable with mystery and with saying, I don't know. Proud and defensive, I have to prove I am right when wronged. Broken and vulnerable, I can let things go. Proud and defensive, I am demanding. I assert myself especially and kindly. Broken, I mean proud and defensive, I am highly self-conscious and concerned about how others perceive me. Broken and vulnerable, I am more aware of God and others than, than impressing, than the impression I am, at, I am making. Proud and defensive, I see people as resources to be used for God. Broken and vulnerable, I see people as gifts to be loved and enjoyed. In the last five minutes, if you'd like prayer, if you want to just take some time at the altar and just confess maybe where you've been, the older brother, and ask God to help you change. The Holy Spirit's going to help us all to keep changing so that we become really comfortable with our brokenness, comfortable with our vulnerability, and that we can see the love of God change us.